Good morning. Oh, for the glory gates. Thank you, Eddie, for that song. Where is our focus? Heaven, one day. I want to see you all there. It is a joy to gather this morning again. Turn with me to Genesis 1. Take you back to the beginning. Genesis 1 is the account of creation. God created the world. And as we look through Genesis 1, as we see, he spoke the world into existence. Truly a marvelous moment. And as the days progressed, he kept, he kept adding things to his world, his beautiful world, his, his plan. And he gets to the end, day 6, verse 26, And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created them. And he said, be fruitful and blessed and have dominion, he goes on to say. And uh, jump down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Here we have man, you and me, formed in whose image? God's image. We hear this all the time. God's image. Yes, we're made in the likeness of God. But do we ever grapple with the beauty of that? God wanted, he, he created the animals. Then he got to the end and he said, I want something that looks like me. That portrays me. That when you look into it, you see a picture of, of me. And he gets to verse 31 and he says, it was very good. The word, the Hebrew word for good is T-O-V, tov. I think is how you pronounce it. And it means not just good, but wow. Wow. So God gets to the end and he, he stands back and he looks at what he did. And you ever stop and look at what you did and say, wow. That's what God did. He looked back and he said, wow. Because it was, as he looked at, at the world he'd made and humanity, man and woman, they portrayed an image of him and it was beautiful. Do we like beautiful pictures, right? Uh, in, the, in the Bible, sometimes it refers to mankind reflecting the image of God. Well, what reflects? A mirror, Right? So if you ever look in a, you use a mirror to uh, check out how you're doing, to make sure your, your face, your hair is presentable uh, for the day. As humans, we are a mirror of God. And back at creation, if I can use this as a, a picture, mankind, Adam and Eve were created. And as God looked in their face, this is what he saw. Now, this is words written on here. He saw peace. He saw joy. He saw love. He saw goodness, kindness, patience. The list could go on and on. This is what he saw in Adam and Eve. How many of you want these words to be present in your life? Yes, we do. As we look at this, oh, yes, I want that to be in my life. Where does this come from? Where do these qualities come from? God. So therefore, we strive for these qualities, but really they are images of God, of who he is. That's what he created back at the beginning. And he, stepped, he stepped back and he said, wow. 
The picture was perfect. The picture was whole. The image of God, Adam and Eve, was a whole picture of who God was. But then we know what happened. They chose to go against that plan. And that beautiful image was broken. We no longer have the beautiful glass pieces, the beautiful glass picture, but we just have little images of God. Instead of the whole picture, we now just have love. We now just have little pictures of patience. We now have Now, if you look at the edges, they aren't too pretty. They got some hard points to them. Perfection is gone. It is now no longer. We are still images of God, Adam and Eve separately, gave little pictures of who God was. But the beautiful, the whole picture of everything together was no longer present. And now it's broken. We have broken images. So the problem today is we have broken pieces, and it's hard to see the whole picture. Yes, some of us might portray a picture of God in love. We might portray a picture of God in kindness, in passion. The list could go on. But the whole picture is not present in, in any one of us. God's image is now distorted. God's image is only a partial. But we still get little glimpses into God's image in certain people. But it's just the little images, it's not the whole. So this morning, I want us to see ourselves as a broken image. A broken image. So we can ask God daily to love him and love others. My title of the message this morning is A Broken Image Made Whole. This morning I'm going to look at some people in the Bible. Then we're going to look at a principle. And then I want to look at a daily practice. Something we can do every day to remind us of this concept of a broken image. So turn with me. To uh, Luke 9, first of all, we're going to take a little glimpse into the disciples. As I think about people who portray the image of God, I had to go back to the, the disciples because they walked with Jesus. If there was any group of people that I think would portray the image of God, I think it would be the disciples. Luke chapter 9. Verse 51, towards the end of the chapter, we have Jesus and his disciples getting ready to go into Samaria. Verse 51, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should have received, be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and set messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Imagine if you were with Jesus, 
You went to prepare the way for him. You went to the town to say, hey, Jesus is coming. <laughs> Jesus is coming. And they said, ah, nah, we don't want him here. He's headed to Jerusalem. How did James and John respond? Verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, wilt thou, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? He said, Jesus, we have an idea. These people aren't going to accept you. Everybody should accept you. Let's just call down fire on them. Right like Elias did back in the Bible. Because they had just heard Jesus say that the same power that you've seen me work out in miracles, I'm going to give to you. So James and John were passionate about what was right. They were passionate. They were zealous for Jesus. And so they said, Jesus, let us call down fire on them. Consume them. Because they aren't accepting you. And Jesus says, verse 55, but he turned and he rebuked them. And he says, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Here I see in James and John a passion. Later on, do you know the title that Jesus gives them, James and John? Sons of Thunder. Yes, I imagine there was more stories of them responding like this. They were passionate. Sons of Thunder is what he called them. And Jesus says, no, you need to control your passion, your, 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 your zeal. Don't get too zealous. So here's a glimpse into another of the disciples. Now turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 45. So again, we're looking at people. People who carry the image of God. We saw John and James and John to be zealous and passionate. Verse 45 in John chapter 1. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found the Messiah. Philip is saying to Nathanael. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, oh, come and see for yourself. Come check it out. Verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Now time out here. Did you ever meet somebody you thought you met for the first time and they knew some things about you? And he's like, whoa, how do you know that about me? This is what happened to Nathanael. He's coming up to check out this Messiah. And he's, he's walking up and Jesus is like, hey, hey you don't have any guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said, Before that Philip saw thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Obviously, in the past, there was probably an incident where Nathanael was searching, was asking God for direction, for meaning. And he was under a fig tree, and of course Jesus knew that. Maybe Jesus literally saw him. I don't know that. But Nathanael connected to that moment. And Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. So here I see in Nathanael another disciple about to become was a man of no guile. Can that, is that an image of God? Yes. No guile. 
That's an image of Christ. And as now Nathanael comes to walk with Jesus and his disciples, we see here another image of Christ. Turn with me back to Matthew chapter 9. Again, we're looking at people who portray the image, images of God. Matthew chapter 9, another one of the disciples. Uh, Verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs. Now, what was the receipt of customs? That's where you send your taxes. That's where everybody went to, the Jews went to pay their taxes. Now, interestingly, Matthew was a Jew. Matthew was a learned Jew turned traitor, if I can say that. And he now worked for the Roman government because he was quite skilled. And he collected the taxes. What do you think the other Jews thought of Matthew? Probably not so much. Okay, so now Matthew is sitting here in the seat of custom, the tax place. Jesus already has some disciples, some Jewish disciples. Jesus stops and says, hey, Matthew, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now, what do you think was going through the minds of Peter and James and John, or I don't know, all the disciples that were with him at that point, I would be as at Jesus, time out. Are you sure you want to get him to follow us? We're Jews. He's a Jewish turned traitor. Obviously, Jesus saw in Matthew an image of him that he wanted to be a part of his disciples. And I'm not sure what that was. Obviously, he was skilled, he was knowledgeable, and he was detailed. Images of who God is. And Jesus says, Matthew, I want you to come with me. I want you to follow me. He was displaying an image of God. What about Judas? We're looking at the disciples and seeing how they displayed images of God. Judas was good with money. He was smart. Is smart an image of God? Yes. All smartness, all wisdom, all knowledge that we have comes from God. Therefore, the, the, the money wiseness, if I can say that, that Judas had came from God. It was an image. And Jesus wanted him to be a part of his group of disciples. Another one, not a disciple we could talk about that Jesus called and helped was Zacchaeus. Obviously, he saw something in Zacchaeus. The small boy with the lunch, he had a heart of a servant. That is an image of God. The reason I went through that is to show you little images of God that is portrayed, was portrayed in the disciples. It's beautiful. We are image, we portray the image of God. Now turn with me to Mark 9. Mark chapter 9. As we think about these images... Which one is best? Is it the patience? Is it the love? The kindness? Is it the passion that James and John had? Is it the no guile of Nathaniel? Is it the intelligence of Matthew? The detailedness that he portrayed? Is it the boldness of Peter? We could uh, stop and look at Peter and his boldness that, that he did, that he had. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Jesus and his disciples are on their way somewhere. And he came into Capernaum, and being in the house, he said, Hey, disciples, 
what was it that ye, that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? So obviously when they were traveling, I don't know if Jesus traveled at the front or the back, he knew that they were arguing about something. So he got, they got to their place and he said, all right, disciples, come on. We're a group. We're a team. Tell me what you were, you were arguing about. What were you disputing? Verse 34. But they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Now time out. I just said that the disciples were portraying images of God. So how can images of God argue and dispute against each other. As they were talking about their images that they were portraying, I don't know if the James and John were saying, well, we have passion. Peter said, I have boldness. And Nathaniel said, well, I have no guile. I'm better than that. I should be Jesus' right-hand man. Verse 35, And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and the servant of all. And then he took a child and he said, become like a child. As I look at the disciples, they walked with Jesus. If anybody was to portray the image of God, it was them. They walked with Jesus. And as I think about us today, man and woman, we portray the image of God. If the disciples are here arguing about who can be the greatest, where's the beauty in it? Whereas the beauty of our pictures coming together, our images coming together to form a whole picture of who God is. Turn with me now to Acts chapter 1. We're looking at people that portrayed the image of God. So we have the disciples with all these different giftings portraying different images of who God is. Jesus died, rose again, and then he ascended to heaven. So now he's gone. And he said, disciples, all right, go back to Jerusalem and wait for me. Send a group of people to a room and just say, hey, wait. See what happens. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. This is the beauty of the picture. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. In one accord is not disputing like they were back with Jesus. Disputing and arguing they were back then when they said, I want to be the greatest. Now here they are gathered together without their leader. And here they were in one accord in unity. So what was the answer? These different images of God, these different giftings had come together and they had all sacrificed their desire to be first, their desire to be best for the good of the group. At that point came unity. At that point, the Holy Spirit could come. And it was come about by what? Prayer and supplication. So we looked at people, the disciples who had different images of God each useful in their own way. And when they got together with, in prayer and supplication, that's when the whole, all the images came together. And as I think about the images coming together, now I'm going to shift. We talked at people, and I want to look at a principle. And the principle is, is this. So the whole picture, the whole image is now broken. And so now what we have in each one of us is we have little glimpses of who God is. We have little broken pieces of, of, of glass. They have some sharp heads. Do you ever look at people and say, wow, they have, they have love for others. 
But do they always have love for others? Sometimes they don't carry the love out the best. Or maybe you have patience. Do you ever see somebody who's patient and say, wow, I want that? But sometimes they are. Or maybe there's somebody with kindness. This is an image of God. This comes from God. This does not come from us. Some people have this, and we want it. But they still got sharp edges. Or maybe somebody has goodness, mercy. They just they have, a, they have a heart for others. They're always thinking the best about others. I struggle to do this. Or maybe is there some people you say, is there any image of God there? Then you got the peacemaker. Ha, <laughs> peace is where it's at. They got it. They're peaceful with everybody. Look how big they are. And as we come together, as we bring our gifts, the whole image becomes clear. Yes, we're broken. The glass is still broken. We're broken pieces. But when everything comes together, the picture is whole again. But it's not by ourselves. It's not joy by itself. Because now patience, sharp point matches the points of all the others and it just flows into the love it flows into the patience that other people might have here's the principle brothers and sisters we are all portraying the image of God some of us have qualities that others do not the beauty lies in the fact when we come together we are better when we surrender to the larger our image of Christ can only become clear in the presence of others. Wow. That's why we have the body of Christ. That's why we have brothers and sisters. So, in life, what we need to do is surrender our wants for the good of the whole. And when we do that, that's when the beauty of the picture will return. That's when the brokenness of the glass is made whole. We can see the whole picture of who Christ is. So the principle of this, the disciples were portraying images of God. We each portray an image of God. We need to surrender and come together in the body of, of church. In the body of brothers and sisters. A family is another beautiful illustration of this. So I ask you, 
Are you surrendered for the good of the whole? That is only when the beauty of the image, the whole image of Jesus will be portrayed. So the people, the principle, now the practice. As we looked here in Acts, when they all came together, they came in prayer and supplication. As we look back to Genesis 1, how was the world created? By words. Do you know words are very are a powerful way to frame our mindset? What we say frames a lot of what we think. Let me just read you the Lord's Prayer at this time. When, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, the disciples said, Well, Jesus, how can we pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. How many personal requests did Jesus mix in there? Next to none. He started off by saying, God. He recognized God in heaven. He said, hallowed be your name. Thy, your kingdom is the most important. Your will on earth is the most important. Yeah, please take care of me today. But I'm a sinner. I'm in need of, of, of uh, forgiving my debts. And I'm going I'm to tend to, to stray. Don't lead me into temptation. Deliver me from that evil. Here I see a powerful truth. A practice, if we do every day, can help us be in a place to be a part of the picture. To put our little image of who God is into the bigger picture of the whole image. And that is this. Start your day by praising God and asking how you can serve him and others today. Don't start with your agenda. So we say to get up in the morning and we have devotions at some point in the day is good praying in the day is good i find my prayers are often centered around today this morning i get up and i say dear god help me as i preach show me what you want i i i I need to preach or we might get up and say dear god help me as i travel here and do this that's our agenda of we want. And there's not, nothing wrong with that. But when we start our day by, by asking God with that, for that, we then become focused on our agenda. And so here's a practice that I would encourage you to do on a daily basis. And that is, before anything else, come before God with the, I, the concept of the Lord's Prayer. And that is, God, I glorify you. God, I praise you. And God, I want to serve you today. So help me serve you in any way I can. And when our mindset is framed in that way, then our agenda, no matter what comes, will be in God's will. Words are a powerful way to frame our mindset. Start your day with a prayer of asking God how you can serve him and love others on a daily basis. If you follow that practice, that will put you in a place to bring your giftings to the group, whatever it may be in your family, in your church, in your work. Sacrificing our wants and desires for the good of the whole. Part of the idea of this practice comes from a book, The Common Rule. I'm reading it right now. So I, would, uh, I like to encourage books here and there. So if 
talks about purposeful habits, daily habits. And I, I, I got this daily practice of instead of praying, God, help me do this and this, I come before God and say, God, I'm here to serve you. God, I praise you. And yes, the requests will come. But when I frame my day in a way of service to God, it puts me in a place to be surrendered of how he's going to use me in that day. I'm going to refer back to a verse from my, my, my uh, life passage, Isaiah 43, verse 21, and it says this, that we will show forth the praise of God. So this morning, my goal was to encourage you to see yourself as a broken image. So daily, and I really want to focus on the daily, ask God how we can serve him and love others. And if we can do that, the little images that God has given us of himself will then come together with the group and be a beautiful picture. So go do it this week. Daily, ask God to serve him and love others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for creating us. Thank you for being a wonderful father. And you care about us. And it gives us purpose when we think about portraying your image. We all portray an image. And we choose if it's going to be a right image of you. I pray that that may be the case. And when we sacrifice what we want for the good of the group, when we're okay with what the group decides, with what the group does, that's when the power, that's when the beauty of the picture of who you are will become apparent and clear. I pray that we could do that this week. Give us purpose in that. Give us daily purpose and bringing and framing our day in a way of service to you and love to others. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Eddie, if we could have a song.